Psalm 107 instructs us to give thanks to the Lord. So church, this morning, let's do just that. Let's praise Him. Let's give Him all honor, all the glory. It is all His. Father, we welcome you here today. Come and have your way. Come on, let's sing. You are the only one who set the boundaries of the seas, whose hands can hold the oceans deep. You are the only one who spoke the stars into the sky, their beauty lighting up the night.
good shepherd The Lord is my shepherd And he is everything So I will not worry I will not fear the enemy He said that he loves me He said that he's with me even though I walk through the valley Shadow and death And still I know He has good plans He has good plans For me So I will take part In deserts and gardens He has good plans He has good plans For me I know my Father, I know my Father. Good plan. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is my Savior. Why should I doubt my victory? Why would I question? The rod and the staff that comforts me He quiets the waters He quiets the storm inside of me So what could be better Than walking with Him When I believe He has good plans He has good plans for me So I will take heart
this morning that you have good plans for us. Lord, we agree this morning that this is your heart. Even when you ask us to give something up, Lord, that it's because you have our best at heart. Lord, we say today, your ways are best. Your will is the best for us. Even when you say no, even when we don't understand it. Lord, we come into agreement with that today. And I want to just invite you here in this moment between you and the Lord to just surrender to Him again this morning and to say, Lord, thank you. Your ways are best. Would you tell Him that in your heart or just out loud where you are? Lord, thank you. Your ways are best. Your plans for me are good even when the path is challenging even when the road is tough Lord hear us your people open surrendered hearts we refuse to accuse you God we will not accuse your heart towards us and we say today together as the people of God that you are good, Lord. That you are for us, not against us. That nothing shall separate us from your love. We agree with that today. We look at that today. We look at you. We bless you and we say thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen amen hey before you take your seats before you find your seats turn to some people around you and say it's baptism sunday baby come on let's go y'all better be hyped for this it's gonna be good now uh they tell me that you know they said Nathan, people are really getting bored of you doing announcements every single Sunday. So, <laughs> we decided to change it up a little bit. We brought in the big guns to do the announcements for you today. Check out the screens. Welcome to Noise Rich. We're so excited you're here. Are you brand new? We're going to give you some screen time right now. 
text the word new to the number on the screen and someone will reach out to you. Also, let us know if you're here. Open up the Northwoods app. Fill out the connection card. Us kids need grown-ups to take care of us. Even when you're big, you still need people that can take care of you. Check out the support groups. February, the month of love. Ew! But marriage is very important. We know taking care of us makes you a little tired. Mom, Dad used to take marriage matters. Family fun night is, is February 16th. And we want to go. Sign us up. Our older brothers and sisters can go to Dart Wars. Thanks for giving to Nuffle. Spread the love of Jesus. Text give um, to the number on the screen. Or use the drop boxes at the back of the auditorium. That's all we got. Thanks for coming today. Enjoy the rest of church. Yeah! <laughs> give it up for the kids. I thought that was fun. Uh, a few months back, I was listening to, a, to the radio and someone came on and said, hey, I, would, I was gonna do this ad, but I figured you might listen better if I just had my kid do it. And immediately my ears perked up. And so I was like, hey, you know, we should just let like, some kids do announcements every once in a while. I enjoy that. And so uh, kids did a great job. And you know, welcome to church, everybody. Today is Baptism Sunday, like my brother said. And man, we're gonna celebrate here at the end of the service as many of you step forward and take your next step in your walk with Jesus and get baptized today. And we're gonna celebrate that at the end of the service today. This is one of our highlights of the year. And before I get going, today, we are a couple months away from a series we did last year that we're bringing back this year called You Asked For It. And in this series, it's a series where you get to submit questions and then there'll be a period of you voting on questions that you would like me to answer from a biblical perspective. So for this series, I need your help because I'm not going to preach on unless you submit questions. And so I want to ask you to, this is the first week, or there's going to be four weeks where you can submit questions, to begin submitting questions that you have. It could be questions about anything, questions about life, it could be questions about the Bible, culture, God. And so there's going to be a number on the screen that you can submit questions to. It comes right up there. And the number right there is 309-598-1550. If you don't have a question right now, just take a picture of that. Uh, and there'll be several weeks where I'll be reminding you about that. And I want to tell you, hey, this is completely anonymous. There are no stupid questions. I'm not going to be sitting on there going like, oh, my goodness, who submitted that? I'm going to go look them up. Completely anonymous, no stupid questions. And again, I just want it to be something where we make sure we're, we're answering the questions that maybe that, that you have been on your heart and on your mind. So that series is gonna start the first week of April. So voting or submitting questions for four weeks and we'll vote for four weeks and I'll reveal the top five on Easter Sunday. So today we are starting a new four-week series titled, I Have Decided. And it really is based off of the old song. Many of you have uh, sung it before, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And throughout this series, I'm gonna call you every week to four different decision points. Because you see, as your pastor, I believe that every single one of us, for every single one of us, there is more that we can experience with Jesus Christ. And so every week, I'm gonna call you to set before you a decision that I believe will lead you to more of what God desires 
for you. So this first week, it's really simple. The message is, I have decided, and we're gonna complete that every week, I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. You know, when we talk about the concept of following, I have a hunch that the word follow in our language has come to mean something completely different than it did in Jesus' day. Today, follow is a button that you click on social media. We follow celebrities, pro athletes, bloggers, writers, health experts. You know, for example, there's a certain health expert that I recently uh, was introduced to, and I follow this person on social media. He makes a lot of out of the box health suggestions, recommendations. Some are very interesting and I follow them. But then some are kind of like, I'm not gonna do that. Like some of the things he, one of the things he suggests is that every morning when you get up, you do a cold plunge in an ice bath immersed up to your neck for three minutes. I'm not doing that, I'm out. Like there might be some, I'm not debating, there might be some health benefit for it, but I'm just, it ain't me. I've tried the cold shower thing, I'm good. I'm, hot showers is better, okay? But here's the reality. As one of this guy's followers, I feel the freedom to pick and choose which recommendations I will live by. So I'm completely okay with following some of his recommendations and I'm completely okay with ignoring others. See, bottom line, I follow this health expert and yet choose not to follow some of his recommendations. And sadly, I think this is the understanding This understanding of following someone has come to shape the way that many think about following Jesus, meaning we follow the parts about Jesus and his teaching that resonate with us and those that don't, we just kind of okay with leaving those behind, let those go by the wayside. But here's the question, is that how the Bible talks about following Jesus? Is that how Jesus talked about following Jesus? See, before we can come to a decision point on following Jesus, it's important that we understand what it truly means to follow Jesus and if we actually are. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, to answer that question this morning, we're gonna turn to Mark chapter eight. If you have your Bible or the Bible app and wanna follow along, we'll be in Mark eight. And as always, the verses will be on the screen as well. And in the passage that we're gonna read, Jesus and his disciples are walking around the villages of Caesarea Philippi. So this is northeastern Israel. And this area that they would have been in would be kind of like Vegas, downtown LA, downtown New York. This place was known for its immorality and pagan worship. And I'll show you some drone footage of Caesarea Philippi. They're gonna bring that up on the screen. Now, if you're looking there, you see a cave which many thought was the gate to the underworld. And so many people in this time would come here and they would worship the gods that they thought lived underneath there and they would do unspeakable acts. And then if, if you look, you kind of see some of the remains there of temples and then on the screen you see those cutouts. That's where people would place idols and they would worship those idols. So you can actually go to this place if we ever get back to going on Israel trips someday when it becomes a little bit, uh, a little bit more peace and safer there. But you, we, we could go to that place on our Israel tours that we take. So this is where they are. They're in Caesarea Philippi. This is a place of pagan worship. And in verse 34, it says this. 
Then he, meaning Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must. Now, if you're reading in your own Bible, I want you to stop and look up here. We're gonna get back to it in a minute. But I wanna point out a couple things here. First off, he says, then he, then he called the crowd. So we'll put this on the screen. Then he called the crowd. So I want you to recognize there's two groups of people he's talking to here. Then he called the crowd, and crowds would tend to follow Jesus along with his disciples, and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple, which some translations say, whoever would come after me, whoever wants to be my follower. So there's really kind of two groups of people. There's the crowd, and then there's, he says, hey, to the crowd and his disciples, he said, if you want to be my follower, here, here's, what it, here's what it means. So to the crowd, he kind of says, hey, come and see. Come and see. And maybe you'd say, hey, I'm a part of the crowd. Maybe you're here at North, have been in the part of the crowd for a long time. You say, hey, I'm just here to kind of come and see, explore, and, and that's perfectly fine. There's no judgment from me. I'm glad you're here. But I want you to know something. Jesus has more for you than just come and see. So he says, come and see. And then he said, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my follower. So I want you to recognize what's happening here. Picture this scene. Here's Jesus in an area known for pagan worship. He calls the crowd and his disciples, and he brings them to a decision point. And he basically says, I want you to look around. Here's what the world has to offer. You see it all around you. You can follow the way of the world, or you can follow me. But I want you to be super clear. I want you to know what it means to follow me. If you want to follow me, here's what it means. And now he's going to go on, and he gives three markers of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So here's marker number one. A follower of Jesus is someone surrendered to his leadership. A follower of Jesus is someone surrendered to his leadership. So look back at the verse. We're gonna go a little bit farther now. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, must deny themselves. Must deny themselves. Now, when we read that, it seems like Jesus is calling for some sort of you know, self-denial. And when we think of self-denial, we think of the denial of something to ourselves. So we just came out of a 21-day fast and we were denying something to ourselves, right? We might say, hey, like I, I, I've denied myself chocolate or I am uh, denied myself TV or that second helping of ice cream or uh, social media. In other words, resisting the urge to open another bag of Doritos at 10 p.m. is not what it means to follow Jesus. That's a good thing. That's not what he's talking about here. The more you dig into what Jesus says, he's getting at something even deeper. He's not just talking about the denial of something to yourself, but the very denial of yourself. The word deny in the language in which the New Testament was written can mean to disown or reject someone. So I want you to think about this. For example, after the arrest of Jesus, you know that Peter denied Jesus, and it says in the Bible, Peter denied Jesus. So in denying Jesus, Peter renounces any association with Jesus. Okay, so I want you to kind of just be armed with that understanding. So in context, when Jesus says, we must deny, he must deny, uh, a disciple must deny themselves, 
He's saying that person must reject or renounce or disown themselves as the primary leader of their life. I love how one pastor said it when he wrote in his blog about this verse. He said, what Jesus is saying is that to follow him, we must stop following ourselves. Sam Alberry is a pastor from the UK, and he has, uh, one of the things he's really been open about is sharing his struggle with same-sex attraction. But in spite of all this, he's laid those desires aside for the sake of following Jesus. In one of his books, he commented on this idea of denying ourselves, and he said this, denying yourself does not mean tweaking your behavior here and there. It's saying no to your deepest sense of self. And he went on to say, ever since I've been open about my own experiences of homosexuality, a number of Christians have said something like this. They've said to me, the gospel must be harder for you than it is for me, as though I somehow have more to give up than they do. But the fact is, the gospel demands everything of all of us. If someone thinks that the gospel is somehow slotted into their life quite easily without causing any major adjustments to their lifestyle or aspirations, it's likely that they have really not started following Jesus at all. In other words, he's saying as a follower of Jesus, my primary allegiance lies with Jesus. I follow him and not myself. He's the leader. Even when I might have feelings that I, I say, I mean, I really want to pursue that, but I know Jesus has called me to this. I say, you know what? I'm going to follow what Jesus says. It's saying, Jesus, you're in control. And I'll follow you even when it's uncomfortable or even when it's hard. What you say goes. So first and foremost, a follower of Jesus is someone surrendered to his leadership. And then closely connected with that, here's marker number two. A follower of Jesus is someone who embraces suffering and sacrifice. Someone who embraces suffering and sacrifice. Now, we're going to continue to sit in verse 34. Look what he says now. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. We've talked about that as surrendering to his leadership. And then he says, and take up their cross. At that time, the cross represented being executed in an excruciating way. Everyone would have known that. I want you to think about this. If you're starting a business, you're, you know, you're, uh, you're starting a company, you might want a slogan that is memorable, catchy, creates a desire for what you're selling. So let me give you a few examples, and I want you to, this is kind of like, I want your feedback, you tell me if you know them, okay? So I'm going to say the slogan, and you call out the name of the company, okay? So here's one. Just do it. Nike, you got it, okay? The happiest place on earth. Disneyland. Finger licking good. KFC. Now, I haven't had KFC in a long time, so I don't even know if it's finger licking good. Not anything, not a knock on KFC, but I just haven't. Uh, here's another one. There are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. You got it. You're in good hands with Allstate. All right? Those are all catchy, memorable, right? You can you remember most of them, and they create desire. So I kind of picture it, the disciples going, hey, Jesus, hey, like, you know, you're, you're a rabbi. You got people following you. You got the crowds. We kind of need a catchy slogan. It's memorable, creates desire, 
like, you know, you know, Jesus loved you before you were cool or um, justice with Jesus, something like that. Like we need something memorable, catchy, something like people want to follow you. And here's what I kind of picture Jesus saying. Okay, here it is, three words, come and die. If I'm like the disciple, like, hey, no, we need to get like a PR guy. This is not going to work. <laughs> come and die. That's what it is. Come and die. Now, in our day and age, the meaning of the cross can sometimes get lost. You know, for, for many, it's something you wear around your neck. You get tat- tattooed on your body somewhere, make as a background on your phone. Now, listen, I'm not saying it's, it's necessarily wrong to do those things. But let's remember that in that time, if you were to walk around wearing a cross on your neck, it would have been like us wearing a necklace with an electric chair pendant on it or a a lethal injection table hanging from a necklace. Now, granted, because of what Jesus did on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, the cross has come to be a picture of victory. And I love it, we love it. But again, in context, when Jesus says, take up your cross, it would have evoked the picture of a person marching to their execution. So he's, he's not saying, hey, you'll just have a few crosses to bear if you come meet my, my disciple. You know, you might have an annoying neighbor you're gonna have to work with, you know, a reoccurring pain, a premature baldness, something like that, right? He's just saying, hey, you're not just saying you have a few crosses to bear. What he's saying is following me means you are willing to embrace suffering and sacrifice. You're willing to follow even when it means hatred from others. Even if it means the rejection of family members and close friends. Even if it means the loss of your job because of what you believe. Even if it means the loss of your life. You know, one of my friends who attends here at Northwoods, many of you know him, is a living example of what it means to take up your cross. Just talked with him on Friday and asked if I got his permission to share this. He grew up in Saudi Arabia, was a devout Muslim, eventually moved here to Peoria, where he was a leader in the Muslim community. And through several events, he began to explore Christianity and Jesus. And as he did, he felt drawn to Jesus. But the hindrance was, what will this mean for me if I renounce Islam and become a follower of Jesus? He could be disowned by his friends, family, possibly harmed. I was just talking to him, like I said, on Friday. He said, in the days before I gave my life to Jesus, I prayed one night and I said, Jesus, I don't know if I can do this. Because, again, he's thinking about what it's going to cost him. There's going to be a cost involved. He's going to lose his family. Then he said, the next day I opened my Bible to the book of Luke, and I read this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now let's pause there for a moment because we read that and go, hold up, let's rewind. What did Jesus just say? He just said hate your mother, like your family? Now I want you to understand in context, Jesus is not using the word hate like the way we use it, like just hate him, like oh I just can't stand you, I hate your guts. No, what he's really saying is, if there ever comes a point, this doesn't happen for everybody, but it happens for some. If there ever comes a point where following me is going to lead you away from your family, your family is going a complete different direction than I am, 
Being a follower of Jesus means you choose Jesus, even though that might be hard. He's saying your primary allegiance lies here. I, I preached on this passage one time at a youth camp, and afterwards I was talking to all the youth leaders, and one of the guys raised his hand and said, so hey, I just want to let you know, um, you just told all of our kids to hate their families. And I was like, well, no, I actually didn't say that. What I said is what I just said right here. Like, hey, it means if they're going this way, you're going this way. He said, no, the Bible actually says hate. So what do you want me to do with all my kids now? Because they're all going home going to hate their families. And I was like, brother, you know what? It ain't my words. It's Jesus' words, all right? So take it up with him. I mean, I was like, I'm starting to hate this conversation right now. But listen, what he's saying in context is if if I'm going this way and your family's headed in opposite direction, it means you choose to walk with me and follow me. And then he read the same verse that we're talking about today. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I was talking with him on the phone. He said, when I read that verse, it was like something shifted in my heart. And I said, whatever you want, Lord, I'm ready to give it all for you. And when he surrendered his life to Jesus overnight, he went from having family members and friends to virtually everyone hating him. But he made a decision. And today he's walking with the Lord. I'm so inspired by him, I'm proud of him. But you understand every day he takes up his cross. He's been able to have conversation with his family but he hasn't seen them for seven years. Even had to miss his sister's wedding because it wouldn't be safe for him to be around his extended family. When Jesus says, take up your cross, it means no matter the sacrifice, rejection, loss, suffering, even death, it means you made a decision. I'm all in no matter the cost. I'm all in no matter the cost. It's come and die. And again, I want you to hear me. It's not like Jesus is saying, I want you to just die. Just die for me. No, it's, it's you come and die to yourself. Come and die to the, the world's definition of success. And why does he say this? Because you know what? It's only when we die to ourselves that we can truly experience the abundant life that Jesus offers to us. As long as we're hanging on to this, he can't give us this. This is when we die to ourselves that we truly experience the life that he wants to give us. And listen, I, I know this is, this is kind of heavy. You know, I wish I could stand up here and just preach stuff that's make you feel good when you leave here. But you know what? As one of my favorite movie characters says, Rocky, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. It's not. Not always sunshine and rainbows when it comes to following Jesus. So a follower of Jesus is someone surrendered to his leadership, someone who embraces suffering and sacrifice. And then here's marker number three. A follower of Jesus is someone committed to becoming like him. Committed to becoming like him. So let's finish out verse 34. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. We talked about that as surrender. Take up their cross, suffering and sacrifice, and follow me. So he closes with follow me, which is the idea of becoming like someone. So in Jesus' day, one of the most prominent jobs was becoming a rabbi. A rabbi was a Jewish religious teacher. Jesus was a rabbi. And becoming a rabbi was something 
young Hebrew boys, this is something they dreamed about. They didn't dream of being professional athletes or rock stars. They dreamed of becoming rabbis. So they didn't have posters on their walls of Patrick Mahomes throwing a football or baby rapping. They had posters of rabbis studying scrolls. This is something that they were excited about and what you wanted to be. But to become a rabbi, there was a, there was a process and it was a very difficult process you had to go through. But become a rabbi, you had to first be handpicked by a rabbi to be one of their disciples or followers and you would learn from them. And speaking about the relationship between disciple and rabbi, Ray Vanderlaan, a first century scholar, he said this, a disciple did not merely want to know what his master knew, but also do what his master did. Did you hear that? He didn't want to just know what his master knew. He wanted to do what his master did. In other words, I want to become just like you. In other words, it's saying, I want to be just like you. And I thought this was interesting. Vanderlaan went on to say, the highest compliment a disciple or follower could get was the dust of your rabbi is all over you. Now, that means that you follow your rabbi so closely that what he kicks up when he's walking, it gets on you. You follow your rabbi so closely that what he steps in, you smell like it. You follow so closely that when he's walking on them dirt roads, the dust kicks up all over you. It's kind of like, picture it this way, a few years back, my family, along with the rest of the people in my family, brothers and sisters, you know, some of them are married, they have kids, my parents, we all went on a, a kind of a day trip to this very secluded lake. And to get there, we're out in Montana visiting my sister, to get there, you had to go through several miles of dirt back roads. And so here I am in my minivan, I'm the guy who drives a minivan, I got four kids, and my brother-in-law, he's got his kids and, and my sister, they're with, he's got them in his big old uh, Ram truck. He's in front of me on these dirt roads. And so I'm trying to follow him and that's like a cloud in front of me. I can't see a thing. It's just dirt and dust everywhere. I mean, it's painting my minivan. I don't want this all over my minivan. And so I finally just said, you know what, I'm gonna back up a little bit because I'm tired, I wanna, I, I wanna be able to see I don't want all this junk all over the car. He's hit me with rocks, all kinds of stuff. So I'm gonna back up because I don't wanna get hit by what, what he's kicking up, right? But a follower of Jesus is someone who wants to follow so closely that you're not afraid of what, I, I wanna follow so closely that whatever Jesus kicks up, it gets on you. His dust is all over you. See, as a follower of Jesus, you're not just wanting to know what he knows, but you say, I wanna, I wanna do what he did and become more like him. Now, I know there's, we say, okay, well, how do I do that? Well, we're gonna talk about that next week. We're gonna talk about what it means to grow as a follower of Jesus Christ and how to become more like him. But for today, it just means, hey, I'm not gonna follow at a distance. I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm committed to following him, becoming like him. So what is a follower of Jesus? Follower of Jesus is someone who's surrendered to his leadership, someone who embraces suffering and sacrifice, and someone committed to becoming like him.
So here's a question. Is that you? Is that you? If I could boil this all down and make it really simple, it'd really be this. A follower of Jesus is someone who says yes to Jesus. Not just yes one time in a prayer, but yes every day with Jesus. Is that you? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Because you know what? He has more for you. Maybe you here, you've been a part of the crowd for a long time, and that's, that's okay. If you're here and you're just, hey, I'm just coming and seeing today, that's okay. But I want you to know Jesus is calling, and he's calling you to more. But it's not just come and see. It's come and die. Come and be a follower. Is that you? It's saying yes to surrender, yes to being all in, yes to becoming like him. So in a moment, I'm gonna call all those forward who'd like to take their next step and get baptized. But before I do, I wanna take a moment to speak to those of you who are listening today who have never said the very first yes and placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Because becoming a follower, it starts with a moment an initial yes, where you say yes to his offer of salvation. I want to read to you the very next verse. We just, we've just talked about one verse, verse 34 in Mark 8. I want to read to you the next couple of verses. Why don't you listen to this? He says, right after, you know, deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me, he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Maybe you're here and you say, John, I, all the stuff you just shared, I can't do that. Like, I'm that's too much of a sacrifice. I gotta hang on to what I have over here. Why don't you look at what Jesus is saying? He's saying, you try to hang on to what you have over here, you're gonna lose it anyway. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. And then he says, what good is it for someone to gain the entire world, the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is saying you can, you, can, you can achieve success in every way that the world talks about. But you know at the end of your life, you can't take any of that with you. The only thing that matters at the end of your life is what did you do with Jesus and his offer of salvation. See, because of our sins, we're all deserving of death. We can't save ourselves. The world can't save us. Salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect, sinless life, was crucified on the cross, and on the cross he took my sin, your sin, past, present, future, and he paid the price for it. He was buried in a tomb and three days later he was raised to life and he lives today. And if you will call on him and repent of your sin, meaning I'm turning away from my way of life and place your faith, meaning your trust in him, he will forgive you. He'll give you a new beginning and he'll give you the gift of eternal life. And so if you're here and you're ready to make that commitment today and say yes to Jesus, and become a follower who says yes every day from here on out with every head bowed across the room. If that's you and, you, and you know that's you because you feel the Lord tugging at your heart right now, 
I want you to pray this with me. You say, Jesus Christ, I surrender. I admit that I'm a sinner and need of the forgiveness only you can offer. And so today, on February 4th, 2024, I repent of my sin. I place my trust in you. And I choose to say yes to you from this day forward. I choose to be a follower of Jesus from this day forward. I thank you that through your life, death, and resurrection, I am a new creation. And I now possess the gift of eternal life. And now, as your Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in me, I ask that I would be filled to overflowing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Come on, church, let's give it up for all that, all those who prayed that today. If you prayed that prayer, it will never be the same. All of heaven is celebrating with you today. Now, we're not, the service isn't over yet, but on your way out today, don't leave yet. <laughs> we'll have yes packets in the lobby for those of you who surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Really, it's a gift from us to you. It's got a Bible and just some uh, resources to help you in your journey with Jesus Christ. So you pick one of those up if you said yes to Jesus for the very first time. Now, we're gonna get to baptisms in a minute. But before we do, I wanna ask everyone to stand. And I just thought on a weekend where we're talking about I have decided to follow Jesus, how could we not have a moment in the service where we stand and sing together? And so in a moment, we're gonna declare through song our decision to follow Jesus. Whether you've just started whether you've been following him for many years, as we sing, let it be a declaration again that I have decided to follow Jesus. Come on, let's sing together. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. Jesus. 
declaration today, we have decided to follow Jesus. Now, we're gonna start baptizing here in a moment. And those of you, this is kind of like your second yes. Maybe you've just said the first yes. This is the second yes to Jesus is saying yes to being baptized. And baptism is you saying, I am unashamed to go public with my faith. I don't care who knows about it, I stand with Jesus Christ. And so in a moment, if you're gonna get baptized, I'm gonna call you for but I wanna read one last verse to you. We've read Mark 34, we just read 35 to 37. I wanna read you the very next verse. They'll put it on the screen, Mark 8, 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Not my words, his words. And getting baptized is you saying, I am unashamed to stand for Jesus Christ. I will publicly declare that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't care who knows it. I stand with Jesus Christ, unashamed to follow him. And so if you're here, and you probably fall into, there's several of you that fall into different groups. Maybe you're here and you've pre-registered to be baptized. You've been planning for this. If you're here and you just said yes to Jesus for the very first time, and you're saying, I'm taking the second yes right now. Or if you're here and you've been a follower of Jesus for a very long time and have never been baptized. Maybe you were baptized as a child. Again, not wrong. We see that as a dedication. But if you've never been baptized as a profession, a profession of your own faith, I'm gonna call you forward. And so if you are here and you fit into one of those groups, maybe you're watching online and you're realizing right now you need to be baptized, I'm gonna tell you to get in your car and come on right now. I'll wait for you. You don't even have to say, I'm not ready yet. Well, you're gonna go underwater, it doesn't matter. Just come on, I'll wait around for you. But if you're here and you say, I'm ready to get baptized, I'm gonna ask you to be bold I'm gonna ask you to step out of your seat, out of your row, and come down front right now. Come on down front. Let's give it up for all those who are getting baptized. I'm unashamed. This is you saying, I am unashamed to stand for Jesus. Come on, church, keep giving it up for them. We're proud of you. This is your moment. This is you saying yes to Jesus. Yes to his call to be baptized. In the balcony, you keep coming so proud of each and every one of you. Keep coming, come on, keep giving it up for them, church. This is your moment. Don't miss this moment. I'm unashamed to stand for Jesus. Keep coming, we got them out of the balcony. We love you guys, come on, we're proud of you. Come on, keep giving it up for them, church. This is a holy moment. So proud of you. So proud of you. Don't miss this moment. So proud of you. So proud of you. I said it like 10 times, I'm gonna say it again. I'm so proud of you. 
This is you saying, I'm unashamed. I'm unashamed to stand for Jesus. This is a moment I want you to never forget because this is a holy moment. So what I want to do here is just before you go and get changed, I want to take a moment. The Bible says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what I want to do now is if you would say, hey, I, that is my confession that Jesus is Lord. I want you to say that with me. Come on, let's say it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And it says, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if you believe, I want you to say, I believe. Let's say it. I believe. And now, just before you go, I want to lead you in just a prayer of renunciation. The Bible says, the moment that you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you are transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom, the kingdom of light. And so let's just pray this together. You can repeat after me. We can all pray this, church. You just say, I now renounce Satan and all of his works and all of his ways. I renounce every lie I have ever believed. I renounce every evil act that I have ever entered into and I surrender myself to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now listen, what we're gonna do right over here, this is Chris, she's got the red wand, she's raving right here. I want all of you to go ahead and just follow her out. She's gonna lead you out. You can get changed. Now give it up for them as they, as they walk out here. Let them know you love them. And again, it's not too late. It's not too late. We have everything, shirts, shorts, towels. It's not too late. We'll see you guys back in just a moment. You go get changed. Now church, as they're heading out, we're gonna give them a few moments to get changed. And again, right now, you're, you're welcome. You can, you're, you're dismissed, you can leave, but I'd love if you could stay around and celebrate them with us as they get baptized. So what I wanna do now is if you're a parent and you have children, I wanna release you to go get your, go get your kids. Don't just leave them down there in Discovery Land. Go get your kids and then come on back and we'll celebrate with them. So we'll give them a few moments. Again, if you can't stay, we understand, but if you can, love to have you stay with us and celebrate as we start baptizing here in a few moments. Let's worship together. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Till I met you I was breathing but not Alive, all my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. Oh, you called my name. 
who calls each of us, let's sing it out. I needed rescue, my sin was heavy, my chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my Yeah. 
Jesus. Son, son, he is risen in his time, and I sing hallelujah. Yeah, gone, gone, now my sin is dead and gone, and I sing hallelujah. Oh, it is done, it is done. Because he is 
come and said yes for the second time to Jesus. Church, I'm so glad you could be here with us. Let's just pray. I'll let me pray our prayer, a blessing as we leave today. Lord, we just thank you for everything that has just happened here on this stage. Lord, I pray you would seal up what has happened in people's hearts today. I thank you for the commitment they have made, Lord, and they their declaration that I follow Jesus. We thank you for that. We pray a blessing over them. I pray blessing over every single person here this morning listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, church. Give it up. That's awesome. And hey, listen, if you missed it and you say, I still need to get baptized, you come on up and I'll baptize you. Same thing for those online. You come on over here if you want to get baptized and we'll do it. Thanks so much for being here, guys. Have a great Sunday and we'll see you back next week.